0: We are asking that the report not be released, because you haven't seen that report, decisions are
1: imminent. She's got a funny definition of imminent. That's all I'm saying. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That was January. I got the feeling right. Backward thing for imminent. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Where are the charges? And I'm wondering how i get down the stairs. Coming soon. Clowns to the left of me Jokers to the right Here I am stuck in the middle with you I think From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding On KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN Up in uh, Oregon on the Central Coast On KYAQ, Cottage Groves KSO Eugene's KEPW Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York, WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, ktnf along with with other fine terrestrial affiliates that we don't have time to mention we also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internet and the progressive voices channel netroots radio radio for humans nicole sandler.com radio free brooklyn no lies radio verdant square radio detour talk and most of your favorite podcast sites Blanketing Planet Earth, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. Glad to have you here. Uh, so uh, longtime listeners will know that I have been quite critical of the corporate media in uh, recent years. Years, I guess, at this point for their failure to be able to describe correctly, simply and accurately what Donald Trump did back in 2020 and early 2021 to describe it for what it was, an attempt through multiple failed efforts to steal The 2020 presidential election from Joe Biden and, more importantly, from the American people. For reasons that I do not fully believe I still understand, media outlets keep doing uh, Trump and friends the gift of describing those efforts as, uh, you know, little more than an attempt to reverse the 2020 election results, to undermine them, to overturn the election. In some cases, it seems as if they have turned to a thesaurus or something to come up with new ways to not call it what it was.
0: This is true. (laughs) How many different ways can they find to not say steal the election? To not say
1: steal the election. They're going to find out. Hi, Desi Doyen. Hi. And of course, that's exactly what it was and exactly uh, how it, by the way, would currently be described had the situation been flipped, had a Democratic candidate attempted to steal the 2020 election as, uh, as as Donald Trump did. Republicans would have called it an attempt to steal the election, and because Republicans did it, well, the corporate media would then describe it exactly that way as well. Every now and again, a news outlet kind of surprises me, however, by coming up with a new turn of phrase to use in order to avoid describing the attempted theft of the 2020 election for what it was. So this week's award in that regard goes to the Associated Press, who reported late last week on a uh, settlement that was struck between Donald Trump and his former personal attorney slash fixer, Michael Cohen, who had sued Trump for more than a million dollars in unpaid legal fees. We, We don't know the terms of that settlement, but apparently they have settled, which means that Michael Cohen probably got a whole bunch of money from Trump. But in AP's coverage of that story, there was this turn of phrase. Trump, quote, also disclosed this week that the Justice Department had told him he was a target of an investigation into efforts to unravel his loss.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: In the 2020 presidential election, a notification that could signal forthcoming charges. Unravel his loss. Smart work, AP. Um, I guess investigation into efforts to steal the 2020 presidential election, that was just too simple, too uh, straightforward for you, too, too, you know, straight to the point and accurate as far as what actually happened. And AP is usually good at this. But anyway, congrats, uh, AP, for coming up with one that we had yet uh, to see in the, what, about two and a half years since Donald Trump tried but failed to unravel his loss in the 2020 <laughs> election. So uh, we are now, it seems, uh, closing very much into the new indictments expected to be handed down against our former president, both Special Counsel Jack Smith's federal probe of his multiple failed attempts to steal the 2020 election before, during and after the January 6 insurrection, uh, and indictments expected in Fulton County, Georgia, from the District Attorney Fannie Willis there and her broad uh, conspiracy investigation and or racketeering investigation of Team Trump's various attempts to steal the 2020 election, in specifically in that case, in the Peach State. Anyway, those uh, indictments, both of them are believed anyway to be uh, large cases and big deals that will include... Uh, charges for a whole bunch of folks on Team Trump. We will see. There's much speculation, of course, about all of that uh, going on elsewhere in the media, what the two will charge, when the indictments will finally be handed down, etc., which could, as I say, be very soon. So I will let the others, however, do the bulk of the speculation for the moment. But there is one point that I do want to focus on that has not received as much attention amid all of the cable news speculation and so forth about the coming indictments. But it's been something that we have been covering closely on this program for some time and at Bradblog.com. That may end up uh, well, it may be helpful to to mention it now before the uh, inevitable madness begins once indictments come down. I've heard from uh, several listeners lately who are wondering if Fonnie Willis uh, has been examining the Coffee County, Georgia Dominion Voting System software breach at the Coffee County Elections Office, carried out by a bunch of MAGA operatives led by uh, Trump attorney Sidney Powell, or at least organized by her, or at least uh, funded by her, or at least funded by whoever it was who funds Sidney Powell. That breach in the election office in Coffee County, Georgia, began the day after the January 6, 2021 insurrection in D.C. at the U.S. Capitol. So people have wondered, will charges that funny Willis may bring, uh, you know, will charges regarding that breach be a part of whatever is expected uh, to be in the broad conspiracy charges from the Atlanta area district attorney? In the weeks to come, whenever that uh, imminent day is, as indictments are expected to drop, potentially on a broad racketeering or RICO conspiracy basis for a bunch of folks on Team Trump. And that could come in the next days or weeks. As you know, we've been covering that Coffee County breach very closely on this show since the matter first came to light. We were, in fact, the first broadcast outlet in the... Well, I was going to say the nation, but I guess the world uh, to report on that story as it first came to light. That was thanks to a phone call to our friend Marilyn Marks, frequent guest on the show, the founder of the Coalition of Good, uh, for Good Governance, uh, who has a long running lawsuit against the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, where she is hoping to ban the statewide use of Dominion's unverifiable, insecure touchscreen voting systems in that critical battleground state where the secretary, Brad Raffensberger, spent some hundred and fifty million dollars uh, on those uh, on those machines, ignoring the advice of cybersecurity and voting system experts at the time who had pleaded with him to not go to these unverifiable touchscreen systems, but to a hand marked paper ballot system that after the state's previous Twenty-year-old touchscreen voting systems made by Diebold had been banned in Georgia by a federal judge in the uh, in the same federal lawsuit uh, from Marilyn Marks that continues in regard now. To the Dominion Systems. We first reported on that Coffee County breach on the broadcast with Marilyn Marks last year, We pl- uh, playing a portion of that phone call that she received from an Atlanta area businessman by the name of Scott Hall, bragging about what he had done, what he had taken part in. You know, I'm the guy that chartered the jet to go down to Coffee County to have them inspect all of those computers and they scanned all the equipment imaged all the hard drives they imaged the hard drives yes how in the world did you get permission to do that we basically had the entire elections committee there okay and they said we give you permission Go for it. Go for it. Come on in. Come look at it. Do anything you want. Open up our voting systems, our sensitive, proprietary voting systems that are used across the entire state. Come on in. Make copies of them. Do whatever you want with them. We don't care. So that's what happened. And some have now wondered whether Fonnie Willis is actually looking into this matter, which has had a huge effect because those systems are used all across the state of Georgia and in a whole bunch of other jurisdictions around the country, more than a dozen of them, including here in California. And so is Fonnie Willis looking into that matter? Well, the short answer is sort of. Or maybe it's yes. Uh, A number of the fake electors in Georgia Uh, a scheme that Fannie Willis is also known to be looking at, have been granted immunity by Willis. Reportedly, I think it was about eight of the 16 electors uh, they've been granted immunity so that they can cooperate in the investigation with Willis and help her understand what went on among the ones who have not been granted immunity, as we understand it, have been some of those who were involved in the Coffee County breach, including former Coffee County GOP chairwoman Kathy Latham who lied during depositions in Marilyn Marx's case about having—she uh, said she spent about five minutes or something like that at the Coffee County Elections Office during the breach, when, in fact, security surveillance camera footage later obtained in Marilyn's case revealed that Latham had actually been at the Elections Office, not for just a few minutes— During the uh, multi-day unlawful breach and copying of those sensitive voting system uh, tabulators and election management systems, not just for a few minutes, but in fact, for hours during that breach. So that breach, uh, she lied about it. She, as far as we know, Kathy Latham, has not been given immunity she may be one of the folks who are uh, are charged in uh, funny willis's indictment so that breach and the sharing of the copied software the software that they copied there in coffee county shared to the internet that was very dangerous to not only coffee county but to all of the uh, you know the entire critical battleground state of georgia but to the rest of the country as well this is a big deal Begging the question, is Jack Smith looking into any of that? That I know less about. But we have been working on a number of exclusives of late at Bradblog.com with reporter Douglas Lucas sort of digging deeply into the story in Coffee County specifically and into its apparent cover-up by the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensberger. Now, he's regarded by some as a hero, For not bending to uh, Trump's uh, strong arm tactics in that infamous phone call where he asks Raffensperger, well, he orders Raffensperger to find some 11,780 votes in order to steal the peach state from Joe Biden in 2020. But in fact, there's reason to believe that Raffensperger was, in fact, helping to cover up or at least minimize the breach of the voting system software in Coffee County, as it clearly put his entire ill-considered state voting system at risk. Which is why we've been trying to point out, Brand Raffensperger is no hero here. In fact, despite urgent recommendations from the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Administration, or CISA, as it's known, to immediately update the voting and tabulation software across Georgia. As Doug Lucas reported at Bradblog.com over the 4th of July break here on the broadcast, despite Dominion having created software in order to patch some of the vulnerabilities in that system and to have that software, they had that software certified at the federal level earlier this spring by the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission. So it should be good to go in uh, in Georgia. But despite all of that, Raffensburger, as it turns out, as we have learned, has not even begun the process of certifying that software at the state level in Georgia. And as we reported several months ago here in the broadcast, also exclusively at the time, Raffensburger's office in the uh, in the curling case, that's the lawsuit now headed up by plaintiffs, uh, Marilyn Marks and the coalition, uh, Raffensburger office has told the federal judge in that case that the state will not be upgrading to patch the exceedingly dangerous vulnerabilities that were discovered in the Dominion touchscreen voting system until after the 2024 presidential election, incredibly enough.
0: Yeah, it sounds completely mind-boggling to me that they're not going to update the security recommendations that the federal government says, hey, these are super important, you need to do these. They're not going to do know. it until after the presidential election, which yeah, is just Yeah, no nuts. rush.
1: No, right. We'll do it later. We don't want to do any, you know.
0: I mean, it's like he's asking for trouble. It's nuts.
1: Yep. So, all of that said, and and by way of sort of catching you up a little bit and and we do hope to have more coverage of deep dive details in into the uh, Coffee County cover up. Uh, in the days ahead, uh, is Fonnie Willis examining the matter as examining, you know, what happened in Coffee County? And as noted, the answer is, well, sort of. She does not appear to be digging quite as deeply into the cover up portion of the matter, as far as we can tell. But she does seem prepared to hold some of those involved in the breach To account at least to some extent, at least according to Hugo Lowell at the uh, at the Guardian uh, today, he's been covering what Willis is expected to include in her charges in the days ahead, perhaps as soon as this coming Monday. So among the charges that Lowell reports may be included in Willis's racketeering indictment. He writes today at The Guardian in an article headlined, Georgia Prosecutors Eye Criminal Solicitation Charges in Trump Inquiry. He writes, the district attorney is also seeking to charge at least some of the Trump operatives who were involved in accessing voting machines and copying sensitive election data in Coffee County, Georgia. In January 2021, with computer trespass crimes, the uh, two people familiar with Willis's probe said. Computer trespass. Now, four days ago, Lowell had a few additional details on this. In a separate report headlined, Fulton County Prosecutor Prepared, uh, Preparing uh, Racketeering Charges in Trump Inquiry, in which Lowell reports um, that Willis, quote, has developed evidence to charge a sprawling racketeering indictment next month. This was a few weeks ago, uh, or no, a few days ago. Uh, In the uh, Trump investigation, the Fulton County District Attorney, Fonnie Willis, has evidence to pursue a racketeering indictment predicated on statutes relating to influencing witnesses and computer trespass. There it is again, the people said. So what does computer trespass mean? Well, Lowell reported four days ago for the computer trespass charge where prosecutors would have to show that defendants used a computer or network without authority to interfere with a program or data that would include the breach of voting machines in Coffee County. The two sources said the breach of voting machines involved a group of Trump operatives paid by then Trump lawyer Sidney Powell accessing the voting machines at the county's election office and copying sensitive voting system data. The Guardian reports the copied data from the Dominion voting system machines, which are used statewide in Georgia, was then uploaded to a password protected site from where election deniers could download the materials as part of a misguided effort to prove the 2020 election had been rigged. The Guardian uh, finishes on this point by saying, though, Coffee County is outside the usual jurisdiction of the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. The racketeering statute in the state would allow prosecutors to also charge what the Trump opera- operatives did there in Coffee County by showing that it was all aimed toward the goal of corruptly keeping Trump in office. In other words, stealing the election <laughs> in Georgia. So yeah, at least if Lowell's reporting at the uh, the Guardian is correct here, upcoming charges by the Fulton County DA against Trump and friends will include at least some of what happened in Coffee County. Uh, For those who have been asking me, will (laughs) it will it include the uh, full story of what happened there, including what appears to be Brad Raffensperger's cover up of what actually happened there? Well, that seems less likely as far as I can tell. But of course, I would love to be surprised uh, by that. In the meantime. We will continue to dig into that story no matter what the D.A. ends up charging in the days or weeks ahead. As frankly, our reporting has found an entire county down there, this uh, sort of uh, rural county in Georgia, right leaning county, an entire county pretty much trying to help cover up what actually happened there for some reason, as if they are afraid of, I don't know, A powerful secretary of state who is likely to run to become the next governor in the battleground state of Georgia. Yeah,
0: that's what it sounds like.
1: So I just wanted to give you an update on that with a few hints about what is likely to come from both Team Fonnie Willis and from Team Bradblog in (laughs) uh, in the days and weeks ahead. And... As we are waiting, uh, pretty much any day now, uh, those new indictments at both the federal level and out of Georgia could come down. Uh, You know, I have been long skeptical as to whether Donald Trump was even going to be the GOP candidate in 2024.
0: True. You have been.
1: And it certainly looks like he will be now, as it seems that he may be uh, he may see becoming president really as his only way out of all of his various legal nightmares by, you know, if he can win issuing or steal it by issuing himself a pardon as president for all of his various federal crimes. But that will, of course, not get him off the hook for any of the state crimes that he may be liable for in uh, in Georgia or New York. But even there, I suspect uh, he probably figures out that he can just take the matter to his corrupted, packed, and stolen U.S. Supreme Court and at least somehow get them to issue a ruling well that a serving president cannot be jailed even in a state case while they're serving as president or something like that. I mean, it kind of seems to be his only hope at this point. So he has you know, every reason uh, to sort of plow through all of this and try to win the GOP nomination and then next year's presidential contest. That said... While the odds are certainly getting longer and longer by the day, I think it is still possible that he is not the candidate next year. I think it is possible, not necessarily probable, but possible that the new indictments that uh, that are still to come are just going to be so bad that his support among Republicans could finally flag and that would allow someone else to somehow get their foot in the door.
0: You mean we might actually find out just how many indictments it takes to Maybe. destroy Republicans' Maybe. Uh, desire to elect Trump again?
1: Again, I didn't say it was uh, uh, probable, but I think it is possible. <laughs> uh, so that could happen or it is uh, perhaps more Probable that he becomes so terrified by the prospect of being sent to prison that he ultimately strikes some sort of deal with prosecutors to drop out of contention for public office in exchange for never being jailed. You know, the Spiro Agnew option, if you will, when Agnew agreed to resign as Richard Nixon's vice president, never run for office again in exchange for federal prosecutors dropping all federal charges against him. So, as as noted, both of those possibilities still exist, even if they're not necessarily probable at this time and, and seemingly of longer odds, I admit, by the day as republican support remains solid incredibly enough for the former president who's currently charged in two different indictments on 71 separate felony charges at this time in total for now with more likely to be coming soon from both the uh, from both the feds and in Georgia so while we tend to cover the The track conditions, as you know, in far more detail than we cover the horse race on this program. That horse race, I think, is still worth uh, keeping our eyes on, of course, as we head into August and incredibly, by the way, what will be the first GOP presidential debate of the 2024 contest? Already? Uh, Aren't you delighted about that, Desi? No, I am not. (laughs) So the uh, the question of, of, of who will actually be in those debates and who might be prepared if any of those options happen where Trump is suddenly not the candidate for 2024. The question of who's going to be in those debates and available to win the GOP nomination in the long shot world where Trump is no longer a candidate, that's still of note. So to that end today, a little bit of horse race Uh, coverage for you since we haven't really uh, covered it at all on this show as the 2024 race is already underway. Seven Republican presidential candidates have, as of Sunday, met the polling requirements to appear on the August debate stage. Following new polling from Fox Business in Iowa and in South Carolina, former President Donald Trump, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, tech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, former Vice President Mike Pence, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, who does not like Donald Trump at all, I understand. (laughs) I think that's an understatement. Each of them have reached 1% or higher in at least two qualifying national polls and two qualifying state polls from separate states which is a, one of the requirements set by the Republican National Committee to participate in the, uh, in the first debate next year. Candidates must also meet fundraising criteria and, and sign a pledge to support the eventual Republican nominee in order to qualify for the August 23 debate in Milwaukee, by the way. Several candidates and their aides say that they have already met the donor threshold, including Trump, DeSantis, Scott, Haley, Christie, Ramaswamy and North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, who, if I'm not mistaken, has been giving out twenty dollar gift cards in exchange for a one dollar donation to his campaign in order to try to meet the uh, the number of donations threshold. Uh, though you may not even have heard of the guy at this point. He's, he's a billionaire with enough money, apparently, to at least try to buy his way onto the GOP debate stage. Ramaswamy announced on Saturday he had also met the uh, RNC fundraising criteria of 40,000 unique donors with at least 200 unique contributors from 20 or more states and territories. He also said that he intends to sign the candidate pledge. Former Vice President Mike Pence sometimes better known as Hang Mike Pence, is the only candidate who has met the uh, polling threshold but says that he has not reached the fundraising threshold.
0: So Chris Christie did make the fundraising threshold? Uh,
1: yeah, a- a- and, the, and the polling okay. threshold, apparently, just not Pence. Hmm. Now, uh, Pence uh, told CNN on Sunday, quote, We will make it. I will see you at that debate stage. We'll see. Of the remaining GOP candidates who have not yet met the polling criteria, that would be former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, who, along with Chris Christie, is one of the two candidates who are willing to criticize Donald Trump at all in any substantive way so far. Uh, Hutchinson is uh, one national poll away from qualifying, apparently. Doug Burgum needs two national polls. And then there's some other uh, Texas uh, Congressman Will Hurd and Miami Mayor Francis Suarez. Uh, they would each need one state and two national polls to qualify. No other candidate has hit one percent in a qualifying poll. So that is shaping up to be around six or seven uh, on that debate stage. The uh, new business Fox Business polls from Iowa and South Carolina show Trump. Uh, Trump. With a, uh, a commanding lead over the rest of the field, however, in both of those states, in the Hawkeye state, that's Iowa, 46 percent of likely GOP caucus goers back the former president, compared with just 16 percent for DeSantis, 11 percent for Tim Scott. And down in South Carolina, 48 percent of likely GOP primary voters picked Trump in the Fox Business poll, compared with 14 percent for Nikki Haley, that's her home state, South Carolina, 13 percent for DeSantis and coming in uh, in fourth place in that poll in his own home state, Tim Scott at 10 percent. Now, again, all of that info may or may not be of note at all. If Trump continues to hold his commanding lead in the GOP primary contest, by the way, Donald Trump has been saying he may not show up at that uh, at that debate at all. But we'll see. You never know. We are not in Kansas anymore. So people sure do come and go quickly around here. Donald <laughs> Trump may or may not be in the race and, and all of those other also rans for now may become more important than you think. We will see. And then there is this before we get to a break uh, just out from Harvard University and the Harris poll that also seems worth noting with all of the above a majority of voters see the potential January 6 case against Donald Trump as strong and as a strong case and as a reason for him to drop out of the race for the GOP nomination for president in 2024 according to a new poll a majority of voters the Harvard University Harris Poll, which surveyed more than 2,000 registered voters. So that's a pretty large sample size. Uh, That survey showed that 57% of registered voters said the federal case against Donald Trump in the investigation into the January 6, 2021 insurrection and his efforts to overturn the 2020 (laughs) presidential election, according to The Hill, is, quote, very strong or somewhat strong. Fifty seven percent of registered voters think that the case that has yet to come against Donald Trump is either very strong or somewhat strong. And that's before, you know, anybody even sees what could be uh, uh penoply of detailed charges and evidence against Donald Trump. Right now, 57% think it's already strong. 42% believe Trump is likely guilty of the potential charges, while 37% say he is likely innocent and, uh, and should not be charged. The results come after Trump revealed last week that he received a target letter from the Justice Department informing him that he's a target of Jack Smith's investigation. A majority of 55 percent say that a third indictment, that's the one that would be this would be the second federal one if it comes from Jack Smith. But the third overall majority of 55 percent say that third indictment is a reason for him to withdraw from the 2024 race. Fifty five percent of Americans, not necessarily of the Republican Party, but 55 percent of Americans say that's enough to get him to uh, that he should drop out. Forty five percent say he should continue running. So that alone should be good news for Democrats. Currently, 55 percent believe he should drop out. Forty five percent of Americans saying he should stay in and the charges again in that third indictment have not even come down yet. We don't know what they will be, but they're almost certainly coming and it seems unlikely that it would make anyone more likely to vote for Donald Trump than they are already. Uh, Also from this poll, more than 80% of Democrats said the indictment would be a reason to drop out, of course, as did half of independents and 3 in 10 Republicans. So 30% of Republicans And half of independents believe that Donald Trump should not even be running. So will they vote for him anyway if he does run? Pollsters also found 56% of respondents said that they expect an additional indictment against Trump would hurt him politically. And then there's this. Nearly two-thirds of voters including 55 percent, a majority of Republicans said that Trump actively tried to overturn the results of the 2020 election. So a majority of Republicans agree that he tried to overturn the results. Mark Penn, the co-director of the Harvard-Harris poll, said, quote, I think a well-detailed January 6th indictment will not be like the other Trump indictments. He says the public could react quite strongly against Trump if this indictment has new information, according to the, uh, according to the poll. He says this represents real danger to a Trump candidacy. So we will see, but those are some numbers uh, uh, that I think are of note.
0: An interesting snapshot of where we are today. Along
1: with uh, everything else that we have been discussing today. If you pull it all together, uh, store store that all away for the days ahead. All right, let's take a quick break here. And we've uh, we've got Desi Doyen a little bit later and our latest Green News report. That's yep. coming up a little later this hour. But a few related items, I think. First, in- including what feels like... A sort of a switch has been flipped, turned on in recent days. sort of an order sent from on high or something on high being the fossil fuel industry (laughs) to Fox News and the Republican Party for a last desperate attack against electric vehicles. Uh, All of that Fox fun and more still ahead on the broadcast today. I'm Brad Friedman. (laughs)
0: electric car on roads so dark to change the end rewrite the start electric car so good so far electric car on birds
1: Song. Come, on me? Come on, take a ride. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. On our, uh, on our Green News report last... Uh, that was uh, They Might Be Giants, yes, by the it way. Was. I the love great that tune. Yes, They Might Be Giants. Yeah. So on our uh, Green News report, I think it was last week, we played a clip from an interview... With GOP presidential candidate Nikki Haley, uh, I think a little over a week ago, she was being interviewed by Tucker Carlson at some right wing 2024 GOP presidential forum in Iowa, I believe. Carlson, uh, of course, started it out, this question, with uh, a recent favorite of fossil fuel sponsored climate denialists that Yeah, well, sure, climate change is happening because the climate is always changing.
0: (laughs) That old one.
1: (laughs) That old chestnut. So there's nothing unusual about uh, climate change. It's always happening. Never mind that it usually takes either millennia to actually change as opposed to a few decades. Or, you know, there's some huge precipitating event like a huge volcano Or a a meteor hits the earth or something like that. The
0: point is what makes the climate change. And right now, humans are making the climate
1: change. Anyway, here's the clip that we played on the Green News report. The climate has always changed dramatically since the formation of the earth. So do you think humans are causing this change? And do you think that we can stop or slow it down? Like, is there actual evidence?
0: I mean, I don't... Honestly, I don't know how much is being changed or not, as much as I know that putting electric vehicles on the road is not the answer to what you're doing.
1: Yay, that's <laughs> not the answer. So as equipped at the uh, in response at the time, you know, Nikki Haley does not know exactly what the problem is, but she knows how not to fix it. Or something. Her comment uh, there came uh, at around the same time as a subsequent uh, segment on Fox News, wherein Kentucky's attorney general was featured to discuss a new report that he claimed. And as the headline at the Fox News website covering this report charges uh, this new this new report quote casts doubt on electric vehicles' climate and cost benefits. So it's as if a a switch was flipped and the right was suddenly instructed all within, you know, the course of just a few days to start attacking electric vehicles again. As the transition to them at this point seems pretty much all but inevitable. But still, you know, there's sort of one last gasp, it seems, uh, from the big oil industry to at least try to slow it down as much as possible, I guess, to squeeze every bit of climate killing juice out of big oil as possible before it is all over for them. By the way, I had thought that, uh, you know, the Republicans' new love affair with Tesla CEO Elon Musk would have changed the equation on that when he bought Twitter and, uh, you know, and and I believe it actually has to some extent. For the record, even though Elon has revealed himself to be a far-right wingnut, and he's completely ruined Twitter or the uh, social media site formerly known as Twitter, now known (laughs) as X, Uh, since he's ruined that while purchasing it, I still think it's actually more good than bad in that it has given permission to a bunch of right-wingers to buy his electric cars, even if lefties no longer want to buy Elon Musk's uh, Teslas. But the lefties, they're, they're still moved to an electric vehicle, I suspect. But the right-wingers, who would have never considered one before, they actually may do so now just to own the libs.
0: <laughs> yeah, now that Elon's part of their tribe, then right. it's okay. Right,
1: exactly. So I think on the whole, even though he's ruined Twitter, if it means helping to save the planet, that might be a, a better trade-off. Anyway, um, time will tell on that one. Fox News, in any event, is trying to stop all of it. Which is where this Fox segment and Nikki Haley's comment comes in, uh, as reported at the Fox website last week. And Desi, since I get to interrupt you in the Green News Report all the time (laughs) with with quips and and debunkery, turnabout is fair play here. So I hope you'll just feel free to jump in and and respond to any of this as I work through it. A new report published by the Manhattan Institute through cold water, see what they did there, Mm. on the purported (laughs) climate and cost benefits of electric vehicles. Overall, the rapid electrification of the US transportation sector would increase consumer costs, make the electric grid more vulnerable to blackouts, threaten national security, and may not even lead to a to fewer greenhouse gas emissions, <laughs> according to the paper titled Electric Vehicles for Everyone: The Impossible Dream authored by the uh, Manhattan Institute's senior fellow, Mark Mills. Wow, that sounds bad.
0: I'm sure he's not a climate scientist.
1: Mills told uh, Fox News in an interview, quote, the subsidies and the mandates run the risk of causing maybe the biggest misallocation of capital in modern times. Hundreds of billions of dollars are going to be spent chasing these mandates. So, and, and... It won't, as the report shows, he says, achieve the goals intended and the attempt to do so will have enormous economic and social costs because the underlying premises are either incorrect, too poorly understood or too difficult to quantify in order to take the actions that are being taken. So, like Nikki Haley said, I guess... Who knows what the problem really is, but this will not solve it, and it's just too dangerous on any and every level to even try.
0: And that is why they have these think tanks that are bankrolled by right-wing billionaires in the fossil fuel industry Mm -hmm. to put out these white papers to insert fear and uncertainty and doubt among the public so they don't know who to trust.
1: Well, so it's going to increase consumer costs, make the grid more vulnerable, threaten national security. Heavens no. And it may not even lead to fewer greenhouse gas emissions. (laughs)
0: And That's just laughable nonsense.
1: Mills said the government push to aggressively electrify the transportation sector over the coming years is based on the premises... That it will both help the environment by lowering economy wide carbon emissions and help save consumers money through lower fuel costs while keeping car prices co-equal with current prices. However, Mills tells Fox, quote, it depends on when and where you charge the vehicle. Then you have to add to that the emissions that occur before you get the vehicle in your driveway for the first time because all vehicles entail CO2 emissions associated with the energy you use to build the vehicle, your use of materials and machines to build everything. So even though EVs are ultimately emissions free when you use them, they are not emissions free when you build them. That's what he seems to be right. saying here. So, you might as well build an internal combustion car, which requires the same emissions to build, and apparently, you know, keeps putting out climate killing greenhouse gas emissions forever. Thereafter,
0: Right. So that's, let's. that's two yeah. different things he's saying. Right. One is that when you charge it, it has emissions. And two, when you build it, it has emissions. So taking the grid, let's just be very clear about this. Yeah. No matter how you charge an, an EV, no matter where you charge an EV, it is always going to be cleaner than running an equivalent uh, internal combustion engine car. Mm-hmm. Even in countries with dirtier grids, EVs do not need as much dirty electricity to move than a gas car needs to actually go the same distance. So for a country with a really dirty coal-fired grid like Poland, an EV still produces 37% less carbon dioxide over its lifetime.
1: Imagine that. But uh, Fox plays this neat trick, this this neat sleight of hand here, quoting Mills again. uh, For an internal combustion engine, something on the order of 15 to 20% of the emissions that is associated with the vehicle over its lifetime of operating occur before you drive it. In other words, <laughs> just in the build of it, this is for an internal combustion engine, 15 to 20% of the emissions happen before you ever start driving it. All right, don't know if he's right there, but let's stipulate that he is. That's 15 to 20% of the emissions of an ICE car come during manufacturing the car, right? He then continues, quote, with an electric vehicle, the share of emissions during manufacturing range from 15% to 100% of total life cycle emissions. Wow, that sounds bad. 100%? That's more than 20%, isn't it? I, you know, manufacturing an ICE car, it's only 15 to 20% of the total emissions, but you get... 15 to 100% of an EV emissions before it even gets to your driveway. That's a lot of emissions.
0: <laughs> because driving it is emissions free, unlike an ice car.
1: You see what they did there? Yeah. That was pretty clever, right? <laughs> Good for them. Uh, so uh, this is um, uh, Mills adds, uh, and uh, he, uh, those emissions that he's talking about are, quote, far greater. This is the ones before you get the car. Far greater than the conventional vehicle because you're building a battery on difficult-to-acquire metals. So the emissions of mining for the metals needed for the battery in an EV are far greater than those needed to build a dirty old ice car. And the... Well, of course,
0: that is a bunch of nonsense because what he's doing is he's just taking the metals and minerals needed for to create an ice car versus creating an electric vehicle. But the problem is that mining for fossil fuels is vastly greater. The fossil fuels you need to actually use that mm-hmm. ice car they are, are vastly greater than... Uh, the minerals and mining needed for electric vehicles so just one quick stat fossil fuel economy requires 535 times more mining than a clean energy economy (laughs) 28 million tons will be needed to be mined every year by 2040 to uh, maintain our climate goals 28 million tons of those metals for fossil fuels 15 billion tons of coal, oil, and natural gas need to be mined every year.
1: Well, uh, Mills disagrees. He says that there are, quote, realistic scenarios where driving an, an EV will cause greater global emissions than driving an internal combustion engine. Fox does not explain how that could possibly right. be the case, but they mention it nonetheless for anybody, uh, any of these uh, Fox uh dimwit readers who may have gotten this far into the article, quote, ultimately, if implemented bans on conventional power vehicles will lead to draconian impediments (laughs) to affordable and convenient driving. He says the article concludes by quoting Mills, uh, quote, imagining a hypothetical all EV world requires acknowledging the unavoidable fact of a rat's nest, a rat's nest, (laughs) A rat's nest of assumptions, guesses, and ambiguities regarding emissions, he concluded. Much of the necessary data may never be collectible in any normal regulatory fashion. Because, you know, these right-wingers are concerned about, you know, regulations. uh, Given the technical uncertainties in the variety and opacity of geographic factors, as well as the proprietary nature of many of the processes, those uncertainties could lead To havoc! To havoc! If U.S. and European regulators enshrine green disclosures in legally binding ways and it will s- be subject to manipulation, if not fraud. Utter nonsense. Fraud. Well, in any event, we would hate to uh, have any havoc in the world introduced by clean electric vehicles as opposed to the no havoc at all going on in our climate right now, which, by the way, brings us to our latest Green News Report. Totally havoc-free, as usual. That's straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. <laughs>
0: No, so, another thing that I forgot to say before yeah. we got out of yeah. that, that EV minerals are infinitely recyclable. Fossil fuels, none of that is recyclable.
1: Well done. Well said. Let's get to it. We're running late. Our latest Green News Report. I don't know that we can actually talk about normals because it will keep changing. It will just keep getting warmer.
0: Summer 2023 is breaking records for record-breaking. The oceans are also suffering heat waves. Actually, the oceans are running a fever. Ocean heat wave damaging Florida's fragile coral reefs. Plus... People don't want this. Biden administration unveils new efficiency rules for water heaters. Republicans freak out.
1: All of those Republican freakouts and hopefully more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis and snarky comment. They're trying to change the standards on this in order to have people buy more efficient appliances wow that sounds terrible more efficient appliances you can pry my inefficient expensive old water heater from my slightly warm dead hands this is your green news report Okay, Desi Dorian, is there anything these Republicans will not freak out about when the administration comes up with kind suggestions to help them save money and stay safer?
0: Of course not.
1: Oh, brother, what do you got for us today?
0: Well, first, the record heat waves striking across the northern hemisphere are not letting up. In Greece, the extreme heat and dryness has turned vegetation into a tinderbox. Officials have mounted that nation's largest ever evacuation at the height of tourism season on the islands of Rhodes and Corfu due to more than 100 raging infernos. The heat energy has also generated bizarre storms in Europe, like the extreme rain and hail storm in the Italian. Italian town of Seregno over the weekend that turned the flooded streets into literal ice flows Mm. in the middle of July. (laughs) Canada is still grappling with its worst wildfire season on record with more than 27 million acres burned. Europe's Climate Service estimates that carbon emissions from Canada's fires this year are on track to be more than double Canada's previous wildfire emissions record year in 2014. Oh, Canada. But in Nova Scotia...
1: We got three months worth of rain in less than 24 hours. It came fast and it came furious.
0: Quote, unimaginable damage from a deadly storm system that dumped 10 inches of rain in less than 24 hours, causing that province's worst flooding in 50 years. Wow. In the U.S., forecasters say the weeks-long blistering heat wave in the southwest is expanding its misery to most of the country. As we go to air, Phoenix is on a record streak of 25 consecutive days of temperatures above 110 degrees breaking its previous record of 18 days with no signs of stopping yet. Ouch. Arizona hospitals are seeing a spike in the number and severity of patients with significant severe burns from falling onto hot pavement. Officials say the excessive heat has killed at least four people in national parks across the southwest. Off the coast of Florida, a marine heat wave with sustained water temperatures hovering around 95 degrees is impacting the state's coral reefs. Scientists with the Coral Restoration Foundation reported widespread signs of coral bleaching. At least one coral reef restoration site recorded 100 percent coral mortality.
1: How's that restoration going?
0: The surge in extreme weather is also a wake-up call for agriculture. A new study warns that the world needs to prepare for more frequent crop failures. The researchers say because the climate crisis is changing weather patterns and slowing down the jet stream, that in turn is increasing the risk of simultaneous crop failures in multiple agricultural regions around the world.
1: And yet, with all of this news, you would be stunned at how many people I'm hearing from on Twitter with the hashtag, climate scam. It's just summer. With the prolonged extreme heat
0: waves across the global north, NASA predicts July 2023 will likely rank as the planet's hottest month ever recorded since record-keeping began in the 1850s, and they say 2023 and 2024 are likely to rank as the hottest years
1: ever recorded. Hashtag climate scam.
0: According to NOAA, in the past month, nearly 5,000 U.S. heat and rainfall records were broken or tied, and more than 10,000 new heat records were set globally. In a press conference, NASA scientist Gavin Schmidt said these new records are the long predicted consequences of human-caused global warming. That
1: uh, is going to continue. Uh, And the reason why we think that's going to continue uh, is because we continue to put greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. And until we stop doing that, temperatures will keep on rising. Finally, the Biden
0: administration on Monday proposed new standards for outdated home water heaters, making them cheaper and more efficient, estimating the new rules will save Americans money on energy and water bills, collectively saving Americans more than $11 billion dollars every year congressional republicans are outraged that biden is forcing american families to pay less for energy and water and breathe cleaner air in their own homes while removing a chunk of the nation's greenhouse gas emissions you
1: know if we could just power the earth on republican outrage we could end this global warming problem tomorrow <laughs> for much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report.
0: Angry. Please don't be angry. Please don't. (laughs) Because I was only teasing.
1: That's all we were doing. we yep. got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Joy, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. All made possible by those of you kind enough to donate to our work to help us stay on the airwaves at bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me an email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And find follow and share me on the Facebooks, Mastodons and site formerly known as Twitter at the Brad blog. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck world.
0: Angry. Please don't be angry because I was only teasing you. I was only